Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I recently was just thinking to myself, and just kind of, kind of meditating on something that you know, it just came to me that why do we even come to church if we don't come with an attitude to receive from the Word of God, if we don't come with an expectation of receiving something from the Word, if we don't come and lay aside everything, all of our little things that are going on in our lives and and everything we've got still to do, and even our own way of thinking, if we don't lay all that aside, what's the good of coming? If we don't come in with an attitude that we reverence and esteem the Word of God for what it is, no matter who's in the pulpit, no matter who's sharing, no matter who's ministering, no matter who preaches, no matter who sings, no matter who gives a word, no matter who who does the announcements, if we don't come with an attitude of receiving what God has, He can say a lot to you during the offering. And maybe that's where it was on on Sunday and Sunday night. I don't even remember which service it was that all this started rolling around in my head. And, And I just thought, you know, there's so much that can be gotten just from the offering. You know, and it, and it, if we don't come in with the attitude that I'm here to get something, I'm here to receive something, I'm here to hear something. I'm here. You may have heard the same scripture a thousand times, but there's more to hear in that same scripture. If you don't come in with that attitude, and then we're determined to go out of here and do what you've heard, what point is there in coming? We just find ourselves in a social club, and that's not what it's all about. That's not what it's here for. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to hear, and, I, and, you know, I better stop because I've got a message coming out of this <laughs> at, at, a, at a future date, so I won't, I won't, I won't do it. So just sit down. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but it, it does, you know, you need to stop and ask yourself, you know, am I ready? When you walk in the door, am I ready? Am I ready to hear? Am I ready to receive? A lot, you know, you, if you ever raise kids, you know, sometimes they hear you, but they don't listen. They heard you, what you said, but they're not listening to what you said. You know, sometimes we come in the same way. We hear what's being said, but we're not listening to what God is saying to us through the, the spoken word, the written word. And the revelation word that comes in our hearts. Because honestly, if you open yourself up, you'll find that on all three levels. The spoken, the written, and the revealed on the inside of you. And so tonight, you know, just make a determination, if you haven't already, that I'm here to hear. I'm here to receive. I'm here to be a doer. Amen. So like I said, I better stop now before I get, before I, I have to put off that message. You know, till y'all forget what I just said. But you better not forget what I just said because it's important to you. It's important to your life that you come and you leave changed in some way. That you go out of here with something that you didn't have when you came in. The Bible talks about being changed from glory to glory. You can be changed from service to service. From, you can be changed on Monday night prayer. You can be changed at any given service. You can be changed this Sunday at a fellowship. Why? Because that's where the saints are gathered. That's where the children of God, that's where your, that's where your church family is gathered. 
And you can, come, you can come away from a fellowship this Sunday changed. You know, it's a determination. Some people don't think that a fellowship is all that important. Oh, I'll just stay home. I've got the night this way. I've got the night off. That, that's a terrible way to think about fellowships. It's as important as Sunday morning. It's as important as any other service. And, and you need to be there. And, and almost all of you are signed up. I, I'm, I know you are already because I've got the list over there. But, uh, but you know, you just anytime you're with your brothers and sisters in the Lord, you need to expect something. It doesn't matter you know, if, it's, if it's actual Bible in verse, you know, scripture in verse, and it doesn't matter if that's what it is. It could be just something the Lord they, that the Lord says to you through somebody else can make a tremendous impact on your life. So just be ready and be open and be expecting to hear something. Amen. Turn with me to Psalm 37, 23. Glory to God. Psalm 37, verse 23. Hallelujah. We're going to talk about steps tonight. Your steps. Not just steps to increasing your faith or steps to getting your needs met, but your steps. Your steps. Your walk with God. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Uh, there's an amplified version of this says, the steps of a good man are ordered. They're directed and established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Amplified version of that last part says, and he busies himself with his every step. You know, God is, is such a good God that he's already laid out a plan for your life. And all we have to do is just take the steps to walk it out. Psalm 85, verse 13 says, Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. The amplified version of that says, Righteousness shall go before him and he will make his footsteps a way in which to walk. Psalm 119, 133 says, That he orders my, I order my steps with your word. The amplified of that says, I establish my steps and direct them by means of your word. In Jeremiah 10, 23, I want you to go over there. Jeremiah 10, verse 23. Jeremiah had a great revelation here. He said, are you there yet? I hear pages. Jeremiah 10, 23. says, O oh Lord, I mean, this is a man who had, he had something really revealed to him, and he wasn't even a new creation. He says, O oh Lord, I know that the way of a man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. The amplified version of that, I love the amplified version, as you can tell. It says, it is not in man, even in a strong man and a man at his best, to direct his own steps. Well, you know what? If Je the Jeremiah, the prophet, in the Old Testament under an old covenant could have that kind of a revelation, how much more should you and I understand that? That, you know, in and of ourselves, we are not good at directing our own steps. 
You know, it's impossible for us to direct our steps in the same way that God wants to direct them to get us to where he wants us to go, where he's already ordained that we should go. Proverbs 20, verse 24 says, Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? The RSV translation of that says, A man's steps are ordered by the Lord. How then can man understand his way? You know, over, over the, the course of life, you know, when you, you get to be my age, you know, you look back on, on decades of life and you, and you look at the steps that you've taken and the places where you've been and the places where you've walked through and the places where you're heading and you have absolutely sometimes just this incredible sense that it had to be God. It had to be God. I would never be where I am today if God were not in my life. If I wasn't doing my best, and sometimes, you know, we've all failed at doing it, to follow the steps that he's laid out for me. You know, you look and you think, oh my, I could have avoided so many things had I just paid attention to what God was talking to me about. Anybody been there but me? I mean, there's been times when I know, I know God was telling me to do something that I just didn't do. There were times I believe God was trying to talk, and I just wasn't aware of the fact that it was God talking to me. You know, and sometimes we're like that. Sometimes before we really get to know God and have a real intimate relationship with him, he's doing his best to get through to us and say, okay, this is what I need you to do. This is the next step. This is the next step, just the next step, and we just don't recognize it. We, we don't see. It's like going down the highway and you know there's, you know, there's an exit coming up you know, that, you, that you want and you miss the sign that tells you how far it is and you get distracted and you miss it. You know, God's always trying to help us. He, he's already got the path laid out. But he's trying to help us so that we don't miss the turns. That we don't miss the change of direction. That we don't miss an opportunity that he sent our way. That we don't miss out on these kind of things. And yet I look at life and I say, you know, there's been a, there's been a lot of times when, yes, I followed his leading. And my steps got me to where I am. And there are times the enemy gets on your shoulder. Oh, you're just not, you're not doing all that great. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. You're not doing the other. You know, you got to admit there's times when, well, maybe I wasn't doing so great. Maybe I didn't listen so well. Maybe I didn't follow God as closely as I should have. But where I am is a whole lot better than you would have taken me and a whole lot better when I would have taken myself. You know, thank God. I, I think I said last week, God's the master detour planner. You know, if you get off course, he's able to get you back on track. But it would pay us to know that each and every step should be ordered by him. You know, I looked at this day and I thought, you know, I've always, I've always thought, quoted that scripture as the step of a righteous man. Maybe it's because we just sing a song that says steps of a righteous man are ordered to the Lord. But it says of a, of a good man. Well, I believe that's the righteous man too. God is, is doing his best to lead unbelievers to him. That's the step he wants them to take. But for you and me, there is, there is a plan that he has already mapped out. And he wants to take it step by step by step by step. You can't, you can't jump the steps. 
You know, I see some of these guys go up on the platform on Sundays, and I look at them and go, okay, they're just not content to take one step at a time. They've got to take two. And if their legs are long enough, I think they'd take three sometimes. I'm going, well, that's not very ladylike for me to do. But listen, God doesn't want you trying to skip steps. Your legs are not that long spiritually. You need to take one step at a time. And you need to find out what the next step is for you and for your life. And, um, and just keep ourselves in a place where we're not going to have issues. I found some, some verses here. Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is darkness. They know not at what they stumble. You know, the people who are not born again and they do dumb things, you know, that's just their, the nature that they're walking in. They don't know that they're stumbling because they don't have God in their lives. But it is equally as important for us to, to not stumble. Uh, Proverbs 3.23 says, Keep sound wisdom. Then you shall walk safely, and your foot shall not stumble. Keep sound wisdom. You know, you can go a lot of places with that. Just naturally wisdom. We're just walking along. If I'm not paying attention, it's, it's very easy for me to stumble on something. You ever stumbled over your own two feet? I've done that. It's not, it's not funny. Sometimes the consequences hurt when I've done that. You know, put your cell phone down. Pay attention. That's keeping sound wisdom. Don't get, your, get yourself distracted by other things. You know, you, and that's it. You know, it's a lot of times believers get distracted by other things. You know, they, they've got their, their idea about something. They're just kind of pursuing something over here. And God's saying, no, it's this way. Keep your eyes open. Keep, don't, no, no, get your eyes off that. Get your eyes off that. Look up here. Look, look, look. And, and yet we're not looking. And then we stumble and go, well, why did that happen? I can't believe God let that happen to me. Well, God didn't let anything happen to you. You did the stumbling. But, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, I, you know, I've been reading a lot of this from the Old Testament here. And, you know, what did they, they, they have in the Old Testament? They had, they didn't have the word. The Apostle Paul had not been born. He had not written the New Testament. There was no new covenant. What did they have? You know, it says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, what word did they have? They had the Ten Commandments. They had the Law of Moses. They had a word from prophets. You know, it's amazing how many people of the Old Testament actually saw a Redeemer coming without the benefit of having a new man on the inside. It's amazing that they did. I mean, when you go back and you look at the Ten Commandments, it's a good set of rules. You know, it's a good set of, of principles to live by. But it's not like having the Word of God living on the inside of you. It's not like that there's, there's something in here. They had, they had to be led by external things. I mean, there was nothing on the inside you know, like I said, you know, they had the Ten Commandments. They've got the law. You know, they've got, got they had the prophets in the land. You know, they even, even some of what, uh, in fact, most of what David wrote in Psalms and in Proverbs was way ahead of a lot of the prophets. They didn't even have some of that to rely on. I mean, they, I know that they have the Torah. They have all those things. But, you know, you know when you go back, let, let's say the Ten Commandments. I even went and got this and looked at it up today. I thought, you know, it's been a long time since I looked at the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like, do you know the... All the, you know, 
the, the Constitution things and all this kind of, no, I don't. You know, so it's like every once in a while you need to go take a look at it, but every once in a while you need to take a look at the Ten Commandments. It's still valid. But, you know, we're, we're living in a place of, of a, a new covenant relationship with God, and we do these things as an outpouring of what's in our heart. They had to do this just as, a, as an outer man, just, okay, this is, I, I just got to do, I got to live life like this. I got to live life like this with no aid and assist from the greater one on the inside. But, you know, the Ten Commandments read like this, you shall have no other gods before me. All of these are relevant for today. Thou shalt make, not make any graven image. You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. All good points. All summed up in the one commandment from Jesus. That you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. That you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's all wrapped up in that. But yet they did it with just an outward an outward relationship. Their sins were only covered by the blood of an animal. You and I, our sins are not just covered. They're gone. Thank you, Jesus. They're gone. As far as the east is from the west, they're gone. They've been removed. And thank God we can walk on, you know, in a, in a place of, of life that those things that we've done in our past don't ever have to bother us again. You know, I, I look in the Old Testament and I see these people, their steps were, were ordered, and, and yet they fell so many times. They had, they had something to, to live by, and yet they could easily just ignore it and forget the steps that their fathers and their grandfathers had walked in. I mean, when they talk about, you know, the, the covenant, they talked about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Well, why didn't they walk in the same pattern and the same lifestyle and the same, in the same place with God as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Their steps were ordered of their flesh instead of something that came from the inside. We can fall into the same thing. We can have our place in our lives where we're walking after the flesh still. But there's always something on the inside of you talking to you when you do that. There's always something going... No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. God is so sweet and so kind. You know, it's rare that you've, you've ever heard him be very stern with you. But if you've ever heard that stern word, you know it. Usually he's just like going, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. But he's not above getting stern if he has to. Usually when he does, it's because something, there's something very, very devastating ahead if you don't listen. But anyway, going on to that, you know, we already said, you know, Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 23, verse 3, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. Listen, God wants to lead you, not push you from behind. And we can be so stubborn sometimes that honestly God needs to get behind us and give us a good fat push. You know, but he's not going to do that. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He, the man who doesn't get his direction from sinners and doesn't follow their lead. Blessed is that man. You know, even in the Old Testament, there was a sense of right and wrong. 
You know, just that, that sense. And, and in the world today, that's really one of the reasons why, why a lot of people don't feel like they need to get born again because they feel like, well, I'm a good person. I have a lot of ethics in my life. I, I, I treat my fellow man well. I have good business practices. I pay my bills. I, I, I treat other people well. I mean, I even give to the, to the you know, to, to Goodwill, and I give to UNICEF, and I, and I give to, to Red Cross, and, and I give to the Cancer Society. I'm a good person. But, you know, that's not enough to get you into heaven. It's, it's not. And yet when people think, they have this idea that, that, there's, that they're really good and there's, well, God knows that I'm good, you know, and he's going to let me into heaven because I've led a good life. I've never cheated anybody on anything. I've never, I've never, I've never run around on my spouse. I've never cheated on my taxes, you know, nothing. I mean, I even helped clean up the highways. That's not the case of what is going to be presented when you get to, the, get to heaven. God looks at you and says, I'm sorry. All you had to do was just receive Jesus, the one who's made a way for you already. That's all you had to do. But when we get to the place, you know, that we find people that just, they're just not interested because they just feel like it's not necessary. I, I don't, you know, I, you know it's, it's just not, I'm, I, don't, I don't need that. I mean, I'm already, I'm already where I need to be. It pains me, you know, when I, when I hear on the news, maybe somebody has died, some notable figure has died, and, uh, or maybe some entertainer or whatever, and, you know, I'm not their judge. I don't know what their life really was like. But, you know, just looking at what you can see is like, really? Come on, people. You really think this person is looking? They're now singing with the angels? Really? Their lifestyle and their lives give me no indication that they even knew God's name much less are in heaven with him at the moment. And yet people have such this warped view of what it takes to live a good life and a life that will get you to heaven. Listen, it takes just receiving Jesus. That's what it takes. Hallelujah. Uh, and we don't, need, we don't need to walk in light of what other people have to say who are not born again. We don't need to get direction from this world. We need to get direction from God. We don't need to follow their lead. They need to be following our lead. Hallelujah. Romans 4.12 says, But who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. Listen, if I could, we could just get people to walk in the faith that Abraham had. I mean, my goodness. That would take them a long way. Just, just to walk in that. But, but here, listen to me. It's to walk in it. What we're talking about now is steps and walking and following because it's an active thing that's going on in your life every single day. And you think, well, I don't follow this. I don't do that. I don't do. But you know, you're following somebody. You will. You'll follow something or somebody. You'll follow some kind of counsel you get from somebody, or you'll follow somebody the way they've done things. You're following something. First uh, Peter two twenty one says, Christ also suffer, suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. When you start talking about his steps, oh my goodness, you can, you can spend a long time talking about following in his steps. What were his, some of his steps? He went about preaching and teaching and healing and 
laying hands on the sick and casting out devils. If we follow his steps, you and I are going to be doing that. You and I are going to be loving people that don't love us. We're going to be forgiving people who don't forgive us. We're going to be forgiving people who never ask you to forgive them. You're going to be, you're going to be in a place where you are kind to people who are not kind to you. You're going to be walking in a place where, where you just overlook a lot of things that somebody else does to you or says about you or, or whatever. You're going to look beyond their flaws and see them as worthwhile, see them of, as worth your time, as worth your effort. I mean, can you imagine, if you go back and you look at all the disciples when Jesus went to them and he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They were not the best candidates necessarily for doing that. I mean, you've got, well, there was, you know, one guy, Luke, who who was a physician. That's noble. But you got a tax collector. The IRS, if you work for the IRS, I'm not sure everybody is your you know, thinks you're just a really up-and-up good guy. You know, just like that. Eh. But in those days, tax collectors were like the pits because they were basically collaborating with, with the Romans and whoever was occupying, you know, the region at the time. And so he called a tax collector. He called a physician. He called fishermen. Rough people. But he saw them as worthwhile. He saw them as worth his effort. He saw them that they had a potential in them that they could become fishers of men. He saw what they were going to be once they followed in his steps. He saw what they could be for someone else to follow in their steps. He saw them as worth every bit of effort he would put into them in the next three years. And then he also knew that when he left, there would be a greater one who would come and would live on the inside of them and take them places he had never taken them before himself. There was more out there, more to do. Jesus, you know, and like I said, he he would go to these guys, and you found this in Matthew 4, uh, Matthew 8, Matthew 9, Mark 2. In Matthew 16, it says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever, not, not go with me, it's follow. You know, Jesus wanted people to follow him, not just go, okay, this is, you know, we can, we can all do this together. No, they had to realize they couldn't do what Jesus did. They need to be followers before they could become leaders. And once he was gone and they received him in their hearts as Lord and Savior, you know, they, that's what they became. They became the leaders that he always wanted them to be. It says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall, will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You know, that is the, the gospel. That is the life that you and I live. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. You know, and he paid a price. He bought you the price. It's not your life anymore. If you're going to follow him, it's not your life anymore. It's his life. 
And it's his responsibility and his obligation and his right to tell you what the next step is. Because it's not your life, but it's his that you live. You know, in, uh, if it was uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 21, the man who came to him and said, Oh, Lord, I want to follow you, and, and I, I just want to be with you. Tell me what I must do. I've kept the law all these years. You know, I haven't, I haven't broken one law. I've, I've done everything just according to, the, to the, what they've told me, all the scribes. They've, whatever, I've, done, I've done everything. And Jesus said to him, Go sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and take up your cross and follow me. And he went, just a minute. Just a minute. You know, number one, God's not impressed with what you do. Jesus was not impressed with the fact that he was, oh, holy in his own eyes. That he was righteous in his own eyes. God's not impressed with that. He also means that you're going to follow him his way. You can't set the course it's not up to you to set the course. There are some things, you know, a lot of times that we will find ourselves when God starts talking to us that we need to lay aside to f- in order to follow him. You can't follow him dragging this stuff with you. You can't do it. It's not part of the plan. Now, would, would Jesus have later turned around and, and made sure this young man experienced prosperity? Absolutely. Absolutely. But this young man, this, well, in fact, we call him young man, but the Bible doesn't say it was young man. But he was depending on his riches. His riches had him. He didn't have a heart that was ready to follow Jesus completely. There was something else that was more important to him than following Jesus. And he went, he went away sorrowfully. A lot of people, you know, do that. God's got the next step, and, and he'll tell them, about something they need to do. And they're like, no, don't want to do that. So they go away sorrowful. They go away offended. Um, we have over the years, I remember one particular person many years ago. Um, actually, there's, there's been several. But this one particular one I'm, I'm thinking of right now wanted to work in one of our children's departments and. uh you know, you don't have to be perfect to come to this church because your pastors aren't perfect. Nobody in here is perfect. If you think you are, let me know. We'll pray. And uh, this lady, she came and, and she wanted to work in one of our children's departments. And we have qualifications that need to be met to work in any of those departments. And um, one of them is that you don't consume any alcohol of any kind. And she basically said to us that she loved her wine coolers and she wasn't going to give them up. And so she was offended and she wasn't here much longer. You know, it's, it's strange to me that people who say they love God actually turn out to love their wine coolers more than they do God. Uh, people who don't want to follow Jesus enough to lay down certain things that, you know, may or may not be sinful, but there's more important to them than doing what it takes to be able to serve God in in a certain capacity. We've had these qualifications since 1980. 
You know, the same qualification. They've never changed. I, we had a pastor one time tell us when the subject of drinking alcohol had come up in a meeting. I don't know exactly where this was, but anyway, I know who the pastor was. And, and he said, well, you know, I, I don't really make a big deal about whether somebody drinks alcohol of any kind. You know, I mean, you know, there, I mean, there are people who are alcoholics. You, know, you wouldn't want to, you know, be be, you know, uh, in helps ministry. And he said, but, you know, I really don't make a big issue out of it unless they're in leadership. And I'm going, I'm thinking, well, what do you call leadership? People on staff or what? And so maybe you have an idea, you know, that maybe alcohol is not that, all that bad. Well, I think you can prove according to the word that, that alcohol is not a good thing. But if it means more to you than being able to serve in a department, we got a problem. If, um, you know, living together, unmarried, is more important to you than serving God, and then, then we know. I don't know where I get off on that kind of a tangent, but anyway, rabbit trails. But you know what? There are, there are things, if we're, if we're going to follow him, we're going to take up his cross. We're going we're gonna to follow him and lay everything else aside. And no matter what it takes to lay aside, it's worth it. God never asks you to put anything down, but he's not ready to give you something else to replace it, something that's better, that's more long-lasting, that bears eternal fruit, not just having a good time on Friday night. People who have, who have been here, who we found out that were smoking marijuana, you know, oh, no, it's just, it's just recreational. Well, you can't do that and be on the praise and worship team. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Drug use is not going to be, you know, a, we're not going to allow that. If you come to church, I'm not going to tell you you can't come to church, but you can't be part of the ministry of helps, and especially on the music team. Are you kidding? I, I mean, I, I had a lady years ago who just, I mean, sweet person, and, and I just said something to her one day about, about working in a children's department. She goes, well, no, I don't think so because, you know, I don't think I can really, I can't really teach these, these kids because I can't keep my own, I'll put a four-letter word in it that you can figure out. I can't keep my own something or other together. And I went, I looked at her and went, what? And she said, well, you know. And I went, no, I don't know. No, I don't know. Why would you even talk like that, especially at church? And she's going, well, well I'm, around, I'm around so-and-so this, in the profession she was in. And they talk like that. And I said, that doesn't mean you talk like that. Are you kidding? You know, it's amazing to me that people can, can, can say, oh, I just love God. I love God. And they have no desire to clean up certain aspects of their life. And yet Jesus said, you take up the cross and you follow me. Well, part of that cross is to lay aside that kind of stuff. Is to lay aside the things that you would like. When Pastor was first back, well, we, not too long after he got back in fellowship with the Lord, you know, when he was consistent in church, and he became a member of the pastor's council. And, and one of the requirements in our church, because it was Pentecostal denominational church, one of the requirements is that, that you're, you, you do not go to any kind of movies. It was, you know, still a sin back then. And the way of thinking that, you know, we were brought up in. And, and we both, we, he knew there wasn't necessarily anything wrong with going to movies, depending on the movie, okay? But uh, 
because he was going to serve in this capacity for a year, never darkened the door of a movie theater. But you see, you know, you, you have to get to a place where, you know, if that's what's required of me to be able to serve, to be able to be a blessing to others, to be able to minister to other people, is it really worth me doing what I want to do instead of what God's asking me to do? Well, it's stupid. It's dumb. Well, but that's what you've been asked to do. So are you not willing to do that? It's amazing to me. Just like this, this young man, we look at him and go, oh, he was just so consumed with money. Listen, there's a lot of people who are consumed with a lot of things, and it's not just money. And so he went away unable to be used. And so many people go away because their steps are taking them somewhere else. They don't want to be used by God enough to lay those things aside. Anyway, we're, I'm just telling you, you can't serve God on your terms. That's really what that boils down to. You serve God on his terms. And when he puts you in a church, that's part of serving God on his terms. Whatever those qualifications are, whatever those requirements, those eligibility requirements are, that's serving God on his terms, not on yours. Amen. But so there's a lot, of, there's a lot to, to say about how we walk and, and, and the things we walk in. And so I'm just going to kind of go down this list. Uh, and these are all New Testament. In Romans 6, verse 4, it tells us to walk in newness of life. You know, I, I looked at that today and I thought, you know, in newness of life. And you think, well, yeah, you know, when I got born again, everything was just so fresh and so new. And yet sometimes we let the newness of the life that we live in Christ kind of just, eh, it becomes just so-so. But you know what? We need to have a passion for that newness of life every single day. It shouldn't, it shouldn't wear off. I mean, does, isn't there a say that, you know, I think it's over in Revelation, it says, I have something against you that you've left your first love. You know, your first love is, is something you always remember that always makes you excited, that always brings a, an extra beat to your heart that, that, that you see as just, oh, you know, just so precious. You know, we don't need to lose that. We need to always walk in that newness of life. Romans 8 verses 1 and 4 says, Walk not after the flesh. Oh, that's something we're endeavoring to do all the time. And because our flesh yells loudly. And the, and the more you let it yell, the louder it gets. It says, don't walk after the flesh. Second Corinthians talks about walk by faith and not by sight. Well, you know, everybody knows that. Well, no, apparently everybody doesn't know that. You walk by faith, not by sight. What do I mean by sight? But just by looking at everything you see. Letting circumstances lead you instead of faith. I was talking to somebody just this morning, uh, just about about homes, and they had moved down here from from Georgia, and and were were in a on a piece of property that they would really like to build, and and nothing seems to be working out, and they just they're just going. I just don't know what's going on. I just don't know what's going on. You know, did God lead us down here or not? Did He tell us to come down here or not? You know, why is everything not working? Well, they're just being led by circumstances, you know, on, and on every hand, you know, and you hear it, you know, people. Well, it was just meant to be. That's not walking by faith. 
I, I, I saw something that somebody that I know very well, you know, has up by their, their, by their bedside the, just, you know, fairly recently. And I was like, oh, Lord. They had written this thing out that they had gotten from somebody, and it says, everything that happens in my life is the will of God. And I went, no! I mean, if it hadn't been rude, I would have torn it off the wall. But I thought that was a little rude. So I decided I would leave it. But I'm just going, no, everything that happens in your life is not the will of God. And you shouldn't think that way. Don't ever use that term. Well, it was meant to be. No. Well, what will be will be. Well, I guess this is what God wants. No, you're supposed to know what God wants. We walk by faith. Faith knows where it's going. Faith has, has, a, has a look, has, it can see what's on the other end of this thing. And faith is headed there. It's not just going, well, you know, that's what I'd like, but I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe one day I'll get there. Maybe not. I don't know. No. Faith is determined. I know where I'm going. I'm nowhere. I, I shared the person who was talking about this land thing. I shared with her some scriptures, you know, about, about, about getting what you want. You know, he, you know, believe in your heart and, and speak these things. You know, just share with them. And when, she, when they left, they said, well, thank you. I appreciate you telling me this today. And I'm going, well, you know, they sound like they're, they're believers. You know, they sound like, I don't even ask what church they went to. But I thought, it doesn't really matter. You know, if this can help them, great. You know, but we walk by faith. We walk. What faith, the faith life is a continual walk, a continual process of going from point A to point B to point C to point D and keep on going. Um, uh, let me skip a couple of here. Ephesians 4.1 says, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where you are called. That word vocation, in, in fact, is, let's just run over there here real quick. I think I've got some more stuff written in the margins of my Bible. Ephesians 4 verse 1. You know, the regular King James, because I still am the old King James. It says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. The prisoner of the Lord. Again, you're, you're not your own. You are encompassed with God. You're supposed to be encompassed. You're supposed to be at his beck and call. Only doing what he tells you to do. Only going where he tells you to go. Only saying what he tells you to say. That's what prisoners find when they're in prison. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They do what they're told. They say what they're told to say. We should be the same way. That's that's a horrible, you know, place to be. That's not a great, you know, uh, analogy. Well, listen, it's the truth. You know, we've been enslaved by the enemy. We've been prisoners of of the enemy long enough. Now, thank God, we're in a different prison. It's one of protection. Not of incarceration, not of punishment, but a, a place of blessing. He's encompassed us about with blessing on every side. It's a great place to be. It's more like a resort than it is a prison. God wants you to enjoy everything he's got for you. But it's like a vacation because look where you could be. You could still be in that other prison where it was terrible. The conditions were awful. 
but you're not. You're in, you're in a good place. Anyway, goes on and says, I beseech you. He says, I earnestly beg you that you walk worthy. And I've got written here, lead the life worthy of the vocation. And, and that word vocation here also means a divine invitation for service wherewith you are called. You have to walk in the place that God has called you to. You have to walk in that. Some people will live and die and never walk in what God's called them into. You think, well, God's not called me to ministry. I'm not talking about a five-fold ministry. I'm just talking about ministry, period. God's got something for you. You could be ministering to anybody, anywhere, any time of the day. You could be doing a lot of things. These called you into something. You need to walk in that. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5, you're close by. 515. says, see then that you walk circumspectly, that is, with exactness, carefully, and purposefully, not as fools, don't take exceptions to the word fool, that's old King James, another version of that says unwise and witless, but as wise. You know, we need to be walking in the wisdom of God. We need to be walking in those, walking with exactness, walking purposefully, walking carefully. Colossians 1.10 talks about walking worthy of the Lord. And you find many references. One, 1 John 1.7 talks about walking in the light. There's many references to walking in the light. You walk in the light of what? Light of the word? Light of the word that, that has come in to change your heart? Walk in that. Don't just hear it and then abandon it, but walk in it. It's part of what God's called you into is to walk in the light. People say, well, I don't know. Well, that's why you need to get to know. You need to get acquainted with what's in here. The light of the word will come, will just kind of become a, a beacon in your life if you just get into it and find out what it says. Walk in the light of what you know. That means do it. Hallelujah. It's important who you walk after. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul said, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. 1 Corinthians 4, 16, it says, Wherefore I beseech you, be followers of me. Well, that sounds pretty arrogant of him now, doesn't it? Be followers of me. But you, he told you the key in the first reference in, in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Be followers of me, even as I follow Christ. You know, there are people who have been on this earth that we could follow, and we need to follow them. There have been many champions of faith that are contemporaries even, you know, of the time that we live in. And, you know, I was talking to the Bible school students out in California back in um, January about being stewards of, of certain, of, we had, man, had a whole list. And I said, one of the things you need to be a steward of is the things that other people have walked in and have left as examples for us. They paid a high price. Jesus paid the ultimate price, you understand. Paul, the apostle Paul, paid a big price. He went through beatings and, 
and shipwrecks and scourgings and imprisonments. He paid a price to bring us the revelation that God had given him. There are people like Brother Hagen who've paid a price to lay things out for us in such a way that it becomes more understandable for us to, to be able to, to identify with, with it so that we can walk in the same they, they've They've been able to, to put a foundation there for us to, to walk in and to walk on that will take us from a place that they, from where they, they left off. We can, we can have that as a starting place. And we need to follow them. We need to, to, to regard what they've done, regard what they've learned, regard what they've experienced, regard how they've proven the word to be true over and over again. We need to regard how they've opened up things to us that seem to have been lost for centuries. There are things in the word right here that you know that have not been seen in hardly any circles at all for centuries, and yet you have it available to you. God has opened it up to you based on the, what, the work that these men have done. We need to be followers of these kind of people. I don't, I don't mean blindly follow. If they were here, people like Brother Hagin were here. People like Lester Summerall were here. If Smith Wigglesworth were here. If E.W. Kenyon was here. If, if uh, Moody was here. If Billy Graham was here. They would all tell you the same thing. Hear what I'm saying and prove it out in the word for yourself. They would tell you that. But, you know, we need, we need to be, be careful about who we follow. Christian TV can be a real blessing, but Christian TV can be a real curse. If you don't have um, some kind of an, a knowledge of these people and you don't have somebody else that you can really rely on to recommend these people a lot of times who are on Christian TV, maybe you shouldn't be listening to them. If it can't be proven out what they say in the word, if it's not, if it's not balanced, and right now there's a lot of imbalance in a lot of places and in a lot of ways that sound real good until you research it for yourself and you find out that this is not what God's word really says, then you might wind up in a ditch somewhere, a spiritual ditch, let's say. Because you have overwritten, you've just listened to what a man said. You need to know who you follow. And in fact, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, know those who labor among you. That's why it's important for every believer to be in a local church, in the church God has put you in. And you need to get to know, you know what? Pastors live in glass houses, basically. Because you know us well enough to know whether, what, whether we actually live what we teach you. The guys on the Christian TV, you don't know that. You have no way of knowing that. So for you, as a, as a member of a local church, you should be able to look at your pastor and say, I can follow him. Now, you don't follow him to the extent that you believe everything without proving it out by the word. He'll say the same thing. You prove it out by the word. You go to the word. You make sure that what I'm telling you is what the word says. You prove that out. I mean, I, I saw um, there was some special only going to be on some 
network the other day on about the Jones, uh, Jim Jones and the, the massacre in Guyana. You know, how did those people get to that place? Were they so believed this man, they followed him so, without reservation to the point that they would drink deadly stuff and die? How does that happen? Because they didn't follow somebody who was following Christ. That should have been evident at some point long before it got to the place where they were asked to drink the Kool-Aid. You need to know those who labor among you. You need to res- If you know them, then you have a respect for them and what they say. And sometimes, you know, I, you know there are times when, you know, we can tell you something that's our opinion, but how well does that opinion line up with the Word? You may not be able to find exact Scripture, but you should be able to find it in the Word. You should be able to find that concept in the Word. There's a couple of places where Paul said, basically saying, well, this is my opinion, and he let you know that. So you need to know who you're following. You need to know them well enough that you can afford to follow them. You need to know them well enough to know that they have your best interest at heart. You need to know them well enough to know that they're teaching and preaching the Word of God as best they can with the knowledge they have. Understanding that we all are in a place where we're all learning, we're all growing, we're all coming into a more and more of a, of a deeper knowledge of the things that are in the Word of God. But, you know, you need to follow. You need, you need to, to know those who labor among you. Um, Philippians 3.17, Paul said that he says, Be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. The Amplified of that says, Follow my example and observe those who live after the pattern we have set you. You know, when, when we send somebody, we have some, you know, marriage counseling that needs to be done, you know, premarital counseling, you know, we have, we have uh, Leslie Morgan who, you know, helps us do that. Um, you know, this is, this is what, another one example of what Paul was talking about here when he said, follow me and follow those and observe those who live after the pattern we have set you. Well, that's why we send people. We can send people to her because she lives after the pattern that has been set. I could send any number of you out because you live the pattern that's been set according to the word. And when new people come in, you you need to be in a place where you're willing to take on a new person to help them. They need some help. They need somebody to help guide them. They need somebody to speak the word to them. They need somebody whose life mirrors what's in the word. You can be a leader. You think, well, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And you can become what Paul said, those who live after the pattern that was set before them. But there's still more to get. There's still more to do. There's always more. You know, when, when we talk about Brother Hagen, it would, it would behoove you, if you don't know him, and you were, maybe he's, he's been gone now for, well, since 2003. Can't believe it's been six, almost, well, 15 and a half years since he's been gone. When you hear him talk about Brother Hagen all the time, don't, he's not a historical figure. There are books out there in that bookstore 
that contain what he learned. And if that's who we've set a pattern after, you need to set a pattern. You'd go, you, you got access to it right there. So find out what you can do to enhance your walk with God by following after somebody like that. We were privileged to know him, privileged to get to sit under his ministry for years, privileged to be able to personally have some fellowship with him at different times. He knew us and we knew him. I mean, it's not like we were best buds or anything, but I've been out to eat with him several times. And, and he, he was everything that you would think he is. He wasn't weird, but he was a man that I could follow after, a man that you could follow after. And you are following after him because you're following after a man who's following after him. And so it's important who you follow. But we go right back to this, Psalm 37, 23, the very first that we started with. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Any righteous, any good here? Yeah. Then let your steps be ordered by him. Don't decide to take life into your own hands and decide you know what the next step is. Be listening, and he will tell you the next step. Every, everywhere you go, everything you do, God's got a plan, and he's more than happy to tell you about it. So listen to him. Wait for him. Sometimes it seems like we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. You know, you might just be at the rest stop. That's all. Just, just wait right here. Got something else coming up. Just wait right here. Wait right here. Wait right here. Wait right here. But just let your steps be ordered by him. Amen. Find out how you're supposed to walk. Find out who you're supposed to walk after. And decide that, that that's, what, you know, that's what you're endeavoring to do every day. And I'm telling you what, at the end of your life, you'll look back and you'll see what God brought you from and where he's brought you to and how wonderful it's been all along the way. And you'll be so, so glad that you did it his way and not your own because we don't know our own steps. We don't know enough to direct our own lives even by ourselves. God's given us a free will. He will let you choose. He will let you decide. But choose to follow him. Choose to follow his steps. Choose to follow the people he's put in your life that are worthy of following. Amen. Well, praise God. Hope you got something out of that. We will see you on Sunday. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.